Last week we began a series under the banner called A Voice in the Wilderness, and you can see that on your sheet. And we began that new series, and we looked specifically at Zacharias and Elizabeth. You know, last month we were talking about in the beginning, and our lessons came from the book of Genesis, and we talked about creation and the fall of man and um, Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel. We covered all that, but now we've moved to the New Testament, the first part of the New Testament. And last week we talked about Zacharias and Elizabeth, who, of course, they were the parents of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner or the person who introduced Jesus Christ to the world. John the Baptist, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets under the law and the prophets. The Bible says that the law and the prophets were until John. So John was like the closing out of that era of the Old Testament prophets, ushering in a new period of time under Jesus Christ. And so we talked specifically about Zacharias and Elizabeth and how that they were well stricken in years, but God used that couple to bring John the Baptist into the world. And our lesson, we, we talked about the five things that we're never too old to do, um, we're never too old to be used by God, never too old to pray and seek, see God work. Um, we said we're never too old to fail because Zacharias, of course, he doubted God's word. We're never too old to fail. We never need to think that we get to the place to where we think, well, I've arrived. I'm never going to fall short. Um, the fourth thing was that we're never too old to do something new because when they brought John the Baptist to the temple, the, the family members, they were saying, call him, call him Zacharias. And Elizabeth said, no, he's not going to be called Zacharias. Call him John. They said, wait, wait, nobody in your family is called by that name. And they said, Zacharias, what should we call him? And he got something to write with, and he wrote the name John, and his lips were loosed, and he began to speak. And so that was the fourth thing. We're never too old to do something new. And the fifth thing is that we're never too old to sing. And Zacharias, you can read Luke chapter 1. Zacharias broke forth in a song and began to prophesy and praise the Lord. So today we're moving a little bit forward, a little bit more, and we're going to look at the next person that Gabriel the angel spoke to. He spoke to Zacharias in the first part of Luke chapter 1. Now Gabriel is speaking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so let's, uh, let's look at these verses here. You have your sheet there in front of you, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee unto, or to name Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her, who is also called barren. 
For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Go ahead, Sister Hanson. Amen. So we all understand today that Mary is the mother of Jesus. Now the years ago, the, the Greek Orthodox Church, they put a label on Mary, and they, they called her the Theotokos, which means the God-bearer. And Mary was, of course, she was not the mother of God. She was the, she was the mother of Jesus Christ, which is the Son of God, or the Son of Man, or we would say the body of God. When you read the word Son in the Scripture, you can often just replace that or think of it as the body of God. The Son of God was the body of God. Mary, of course, was not the mother of God. We don't, um, if you go into like Catholic churches, in fact, in eight, I think it was 1854, the Catholic Church made that a doctrine that Mary was the mother of God, and that's part of their, their teachings now. But we're not here to exalt Mary. We're here to look at her example and learn from her. I mean, if you walk around our church, you're not going to find any statues of Mary. We're not going to say any prayers to Mary. And uh, we're not going to say any Hail Marys or Ave Marias or anything like that. We're just, we're here to look at Mary here and, and learn from her example. Um, she was the mother of that baby, of that son, of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, and I love the verse Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. And so Jesus Christ was flesh and blood, and he came from Mary as the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. So um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get off into a oneness lesson here this morning, but I just want to emphasize that Mary was an ordinary individual who became the one that God chose to bear Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ, of course, he was God in flesh, God manifest in the flesh. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians, he said that uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that when you, uh, he said, the light of the glory, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God could be seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So when they looked at Jesus Christ, they were seeing God in flesh. And that's who he was. That's who Jesus Christ was. He was the body of um, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10.5, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So Jesus Christ was the body of God. And so we're not here to glorify uh, Mary. Mary never glorified herself. She was just the one chosen who had to be the, had the distinct honor that would be the one who would bring the Messiah, into the world. Uh, my wife read verse 46 on your sheet there. Mary never glorified herself, but she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Amen. And that's what we want to do. We want to glorify the Lord. And wherever the Lord uses us and however he places us in his kingdom, we want to bring glory to God. Amen. Mary was a part of a great miracle in Scripture but it would seem that in every other way, she was just a normal person, a normal individual like you and I. Um, the last words, I got to study, the last words that Mary spoke that are recorded in Scripture, you know what they were? You know what the, you know what the last words, 
that she spoke in Scripture. It's, I'm, it's obviously not the last word she ever said, but the last words recorded in Scripture were, do what he says to do. Whatever he says, do it. That's the last thing that's recorded in Scripture. Mary wasn't about exalting herself and lifting herself up. The last time we see Mary in the Scripture was at Pentecost with about 119 other people in an upper room, and she is filled with the Holy Ghost. She begins to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, and that's, that's the picture of Mary. And so um, understanding today, our, our title here today is For His Purpose, and Mary aligned herself with the purpose of God, and that's what we want to do. And so we're looking at Mary here today. So what I want to do here for the next few minutes um, is I want to draw out of this passage of Scripture three, three important requirements if we're going to be used for His purpose. And I didn't know my wife was going to be here in here this morning because uh, so we were driving down the road yesterday and I already told her what my lesson was about. So this is going to be rehashed for her. And uh, when she's in here, I can't talk about her. And I got in trouble last week, thank you very much, to whoever ratted me out. Now, several of you did, but uh, um, so she's already heard this. But I want to I talk to you here about three very important requirements that are related to being used for his purpose. And the first requirement, number one, from this passage of Scripture is that we must receive the grace of God. We must receive the grace of God. If you look there in your sheet, verses 28 and 30, it says, The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Gabriel said to Mary, You are highly favored, Mary. Uh, verse number 30, The angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. So I want you to just put yourself uh, back in this time with me for just a moment. And here was this woman from Nazareth. Nazareth was a part of the region of Galilee. Nazareth was not a metropolis. It wasn't Jerusalem. In fact, Nazareth was this little area that was on the side of a valley where really none of the main roads went to. There was this, this girl who would, you would seem, seem to be just like any other girl in that area. And the angel appears to her and says, You, Mary, you are highly favored. What the Lord, or what the angel was saying to Mary is, Mary, you have been chosen. You have been picked. You have been highly favored. The word, the word highly favored, the, the Greek word that it comes from, it's only used one other time in the scripture. It's Ephesians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse number 6. It's the only time, the only other time this highly favored is used. But it it literally means be gracing with grace. So what that means is that, is that the Lord saw Mary and said, I'm going to extend my grace to you. He's saying, Mary, you have been chosen. He extends his kindness. His, um, the word grace carries a, a wide range of connotation, wide range of meaning. Um, it comes from the word charis or cheris, however you pronounce it. We get our word charismatic from that. Charismatic's not a bad word, by the way. Um, but we get the word grace comes from this word charis, but it but it means it means kindness and joy and, and peace. And so the Lord looks at Mary and he says, I'm going to extend my kindness to you, Mary. Mary, I'm going to choose you 
Because as a Jewish girl, one of their desires, if you were growing up as a Jewish girl in ancient times, you had this hope kind of in your mind that maybe one day you would be the one used to bring the Messiah into the world, that you would be the one chosen. And so the Lord chooses Mary, and, and Gabriel brings this message <clears throat> to her. This, this grace is extended to her. And Mary became the person that was endowed with God's grace, His favor, His kindness. And I, wanna, I just want to pull this out here this morning, that it, that it wasn't Mary's character that, choo- that, that forced God to choose her. She was a, a normal, ordinary girl. I'm sure she was a good person. But it wasn't that Mary was better than everybody else that God said, I'm going to use you. You have to think of it like this. God chooses whoever he wants. God chooses people like you and me. And it's not based on our character. It's not based on our conduct. It's not based on the fact that we're better than other people. He just says, I'm going to extend my grace to Ronnie Jones because I want to use Ronnie Jones. Or, or you, or you, or whoever. That's what grace is all about. It's not something we earn. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. And... You know, sometimes we think, well, if I'm going to come to God, I've got to get my life in order. I need to get A, B, C, D. I've got to get all my ducks in a row. Then I'll be able to come to God, and I'll be able to serve God, and I'll be able to do something for God. That's not the way it works at all. Like the saying, I've, I've said it many times, and I've heard my pastor say, you don't get good to get God. You get God, and God will help you get good. And so it's a fallacy in our mind that that we think that we have to get everything just so-so before we can ever be used by God or serve God. We want to do our best. We want to live righteous. We want to serve the Lord with with humility and in faith and do everything that we know to do. But but God's grace says, I want to use you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not that Derek or Vanessa is any better. It's not that Shasta is any different. It's just that God says, I want to use you. That's, that's why you're here today. That's why you're here today. It's because God has extended his grace. He says, I have a work for you. I want to use you. I want you to be involved in my work. I want you to be involved in my kingdom. You're not here by accident. But at some point along the line, God extended grace to you. He started pulling on our hearts. He says, I want you to come and be a part of the work of the Lord and, and align ourselves with his kingdom. And he extended this grace to Mary. Paul understood that. Paul, under, If you remember Paul before he came to the church, Paul was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was out trying to arrest people, take them back, put them in prison. But, Paul, but the Lord said, I've got to work for that guy. Saul of Tarsus. He says, I've got to work for Paul. And so years later when Paul would write to the Corinthians, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I didn't deserve it. I was injurious. I was a persecutor. I was a blasphemer because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. But God, but God, thank God he reached us. Amen. But God, and so he reached down and he pulled Paul. In fact, I brought this from my office several years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. I, I wrote some verses down that, that, that stood out to me, and I had them taped in my office. And so my, one year for Christmas, my wife 
printed it out and she put it in a frame. But it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. See, Paul understood about grace. And we need to understand about grace. Otherwise, we're trying to, we're trying to strive. Otherwise, we're trying to earn this grace. God said, you don't earn this. This is what I'm doing for you. Can you put Ephesians? I don't know if I have it in there. There you go. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Paul said, I am a minister today by the gift of the grace of God. And then verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, the reason any of us can do anything for God is because of that right there, the gift of grace, that he called us and allowed us to be a part of his holy purpose. Amen. And so God reached down and he, he said, Mary, I want to use you. And then you can see Mary's response in the, her Mary's song. It's the last part of your scriptures there on your list, beginning of verse 46. When God chooses Mary, her response is, Oh, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. And so God chose Mary. If we fulfill his purpose, it will be because we recognize his graces at work. It will be because we... So what I'm saying is we have to receive God's grace. We have to receive it. Paul, Paul wrote to the Philippians... And he was in in a Roman prison when he wrote to the Philippians. And he said, in my presence, but so much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then Philippians 2.13, he makes a statement. It is God. For it is God. Look, Look at there on the screen. For it is God. That's a powerful statement right there. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his. It's not not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It is, it is God that is working in us. Amen. So number one, we have to receive the grace of God. Number two, if we're going to be used in the purpose and plan of God, number two, we have to, we have to yield to the will of God. We have to yield to the will of God. We not, only must, we not only have to receive the grace of God, we have to yield to the will of God. Look at verse number 38 there. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, your will be done. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Lord, your will. And when the Lord came knocking on Mary's heart, Lord, whatever you want, be it unto me according to your will. If we're going to be aligned with this purpose, it will be because we yield to the will of God. And if you'll notice in that verse there with me, Mary saw herself as a servant of the Lord. She said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. A handmaid was the lowest class of a female slave. It was the lowest class of a a female slave. If you read Ruth's story, Ruth, when she spoke to Boaz, Ruth said, Boaz, I'm, I'm your handmaid. Hannah referred to herself as the handmaid of the Lord. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. But, but as I was studying this and looking through this, I got to thinking about, okay, here comes God. Saying, Mary, I want to use you. Have you ever wondered about the tension 
and the struggle that Mary might have faced. It's, it's the same with people today. When, when God comes calling people, there is an internal struggle. Do I submit to the will of God or do I just kind of withdraw? Am I going to answer the call or am I going to go hide somewhere? Because here was Mary and the angel is saying, you're going to, you're going to have a son. His name is going to be called Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a scripture verse for this. I'm just kind of using my mind, my imagination here for a minute. But here was Mary. She was unmarried. She was engaged to this man, young man, Joseph. And she's going to have a son. This, this virgin, unmarried, engaged young lady from Nazareth, she's being, sold, being told she's going to have a son. So within a certain period of time, she's obviously going to be showing signs of having a son. And, and maybe, I'm just again, I'm just using my mind, maybe Mary began to think in her mind, what are people going to say about me? You ever, you, ever, you ever had those kind of thoughts when God's dealing? What are people going to say about me? What are they going to say about Joseph? What are they going to tell Joseph? Are they, are they going to tell Joseph, hey, what's, what's up with your, uh, your fiancé? You guys aren't even married and she's been running around on you. Maybe these thoughts were going through Mary's mind. and Maybe she was saying, thinking, maybe it would just be best if, if God uses somebody else. But if we're going to align ourselves, we're going to face some tension. If God's knocking on your heart, there's going to be an internal struggle. Every time. You're going to face resistance. God's going to... God's going, to, God's going to come pull under your heart and, and automatically the questions are going to rise in your mind. Do I follow the will of the Lord? What do I do? There's that, that, that struggle. And by yielding to the will of God, Mary was setting herself in a position to be greatly used by the Lord, but to also be greatly disappointed. And we don't, we don't always talk about this side of it. But Mary was, was aligning herself to do something great for God. Just like every one of us, we want to do something great for God, don't we? We want to do something significant. We want our lives to count. And so here Mary was setting herself in a position to be a part of the story of God. But she was also putting herself in a place to be greatly disappointed. When, when, they, when they brought baby Jesus to the temple, he was eight days old for that ceremony of circumcision and they placed him in the hands of Simeon remember the story of Simeon the older man in the temple said when he saw Jesus he said my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord this elderly this elderly man and they give Jesus to Simeon in Luke chapter 2 this is what Simeon told Mary Luke 2 34 and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary now don't miss this he said to Mary behold this child, Jesus, he said, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign shall be spoken against. Simeon told Mary, this is what's going to happen to your son. But that's not all. That's not all he said. Verse 35. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
a sword. Simeon was telling Mary, a sword's going to pierce through your own soul also. You're going to pay the price because Mary would be the one who would see Jesus crucified. Say what you will about Jesus. Say what, you know, he was, he was the Messiah, he was this and he was that. But it was still Mary who watched her son. That's not easy. And Mary saw her son the way he was rejected. And so Simeon said, a sword shall pierce your own soul also. She was going to witness it. And so I would just tell you this morning that there is nothing so fulfilling as being in the middle of the will of God. There is nothing more fulfilling than being in the middle of the will of God. And you have to understand that when you fulfill the will of God, when you do what God's calling you to do, there's also going to be pain and disappointment with that. You do the will of God, your life is fulfilled, but you have to understand there's going to be struggle. That's not very encouraging, Pastor. But if you don't do the will of God, there's a lot more struggle. There's a lot more pain. It's a lot harder to live outside of the will of God. Um, you, know, you know, whenever we go, when we live the will of God, when we're living according to the will of God, and struggle and pain and, and heartache comes, God often uses those seasons and those times to shape us and mold us. God uses our struggles and our pains for our good. But you step out of the will of God and you start trying to live your own life and do your own thing and do it your own way. And struggles happen and pain happens and heartache comes about. You know what? Those same struggles that are helping somebody mold their life, those struggles start working against people. God uses struggles to discipline people and and try to get them back in the center of his will. But Mary's response was, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Here my Lord. Speak, for thy servant heareth. Here my Lord. What would you have me to do? So we have to receive the grace of God. We need to yield to the will of God. And number three here today is we need to depend on the Spirit of the Lord. Depend on the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 37 here. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I like verses like that, don't you? With God, nothing shall be impossible. That that word impossible, you can translate that word powerless. For with God, nothing shall be powerless. You let God get involved, there's power. Amen? God can do anything. Verse 49 in Mary's song, she said, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Some of the last instructions that Jesus gave his disciples on the earth connected the coming of the Holy Ghost with empowerment. He looked at his disciples and he said, Go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Wait for the Holy Ghost because that's where the power is going to come from. He said in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, he said, But you shall receive 
power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. He's gonna, you're going to receive power because we need the power of God. We need the empowerment. We need the ability. It's like what we preached about last Sunday morning. We have to have the Holy Ghost. Amen. If we don't have the Holy Ghost, we just have dry, dead, lifeless church. But we have to have anointing. We have to have empowerment. We have to have the ability of God's Spirit. Because with God, nothing is powerless. With God, nothing is impossible. And so we have to have His Spirit. We need the power of God. We need the power that comes through prayer. We don't need to be just another church on the street. We need to be a church that's, that has the Holy Ghost at work. Um, we talked a little bit about it on, on Wednesday night, I think it was, about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, how that we need the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in our church. Amen. We need to make room for God. Sometimes we are so formal, sometimes we are so rigid in our ritual that we, that we push the Spirit of the Lord out. But God, help us to make room for your Spirit to work. And rely on His Spirit so that the Lord can use... If we want real revival, it won't come because we just, we just pop in here and pop out. That we just come in and do our time and leave and go on about our week. But it's because we're hungry for the Lord and we, we seek after God. And we say, God, pour Your Spirit out upon us. God, give us Your Spirit. Let you, let, Lord, let, let Your Spirit work in our midst. And so we need the power of God. We have to rely on the power of God. It's not by talent. It's not by our ability. Amen. A.W. Tozer, he said, it may be said without qualification that every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. And that is truth. Every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. I would say this, that every church is as holy and full of the Spirit as a church wants to be. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why would he say be filled with the Spirit? Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you're under the influence of the Spirit. He said, you know, when people get drunk, when people are filled with alcohol, they become inebriated. They, they, their speech changes, their talk changes, their action changes because the alcohol is influencing their behavior. When we get under the Spirit, we get under the influence of the Spirit, we are filled with the Spirit. Our change, the change happens. We start talking differently. We start acting differently. We start walking differently. It's, it transforms our life. But if we fill our lives with everything else going on around the world, there's no room for the Spirit to work. Every time we come to church, we need to have an open venue, or an open avenue, I should say, so that the Lord can speak to Every time, every day, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but every day, we need an open channel of the Holy Ghost. God, use me. God, speak to me. Lord, what are you telling me to do today? Lord, what are you speaking into my spirit today? Don't push God out of your life. Just because Monday rolls around and you have to go to work, don't push God out and say, you know, I went to church on Sunday. Bless God, we got a blessing and we, we had great church. Wait a minute, God has work for you on Monday. So you, you open the door. You open up and you pray. You get in the word of God. God, speak to me through your word. Praise the Lord. He'll do it. He'll talk to you. Every day of the week, the Lord will talk to you. Be filled with the Spirit because His Spirit influences us. And so, just as Mary, Mary was given an impossible task. We've been given an impossible task. Without the Lord's help, without the Lord's hand on us, we can't do it on our own. We're never going to reach the world without the help of the Holy Ghost. And so we must have 
His Spirit. We have to rely on His Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says, says the Lord. The only way we're going to reach our world, the only way I can pastor a church is by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. When people attempt to work outside of an anointing, the Spirit of God, they often do more harm than they do good. You know that? When people try to step out and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to teach this class, or I'm going to preach this message, or I'm going to sing this song, or I'm going to play these, I'm going to go out and try to do something for God outside of His empowerment or spirit. We often do more harm than good. We mess things up. It's like what Paul told Timothy in the last days about the people of the last days. He said they would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. Amen. And so God uses who He wants to use. He used Mary. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But His Word never returns void. I love the song, and I know you've heard the song that Mark Lowry wrote a number of years ago, Mary, Did You Know? And uh, I don't know Mark Lowry's theology or anything. I don't know where he comes from, but, but there's some good stuff in that song. You know, there's some, there's some significant lyrics in that song. Mary, did you know that your baby will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make us new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Isn't that good? He said, Mary, did you know the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Amen. And then I, I really like the last part of that song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That this sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you know? Luke Timothy Johnson said, Mary is among the most powerless people in her society. She is young in a world that values age. Female in a world ruled by men, poor in a stratified economy. Furthermore, she has never, she has neither husband nor child to validate her existence. And yet God chose Mary and said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to bring the Messiah into the world. I'm going to use you. And I, that's, that's what it's, I want to be aligned with the, the will of the Lord. I want to be aligned with his, his purpose for my I may never do, well, there's no may about it. I'm never going to do, I'm never going to do what Mary did, obviously. But you know what? God can use you, Connor, and he can use you, Becky, and he can use you, Vanessa, and he can use you, Sha to do whatever, to be a part of his story. And that's what it's all about. It's not comparing ourselves, saying, well, I have to be like that person. I have to do with that. Don't worry about what other people are doing. When God comes knocking, say, God, give me grace. <laughs> Enable me, Lord, and say yes to the Lord, and align yourself with his purpose and his plan. Praise the Lord. You know, if you're, if you're driving your car and it's out of alignment, your car is going to go, Ooh. it's either going to pull to the right or the left. You ever, have you ever driven a car like that? And you're like, man, keep having to, and your steering wheel is halfway turned just to keep your car going down straight. It's because it's out of alignment. 
sometimes people get out of alignment with the will of God, and they're constantly having to fight going down life, and they're, they're turned. Why don't you let God align your life so that you can go straight down the road, straight down the path, the road that God's called. Why don't you stand with me now? Our time's up. Our class is going to be coming in here in just a moment.